You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or follow our messages online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. Thanks for listening and enjoy the message. Well, we are in week five of a series called Out of the Dark, and we have been talking for the past few weeks about a really important topic, the topic of mental and emotional health. And uh, we've been talking about many of the things that contribute to uh, depression and lack of mental and emotional health and how we can address those things with the help of the Holy Spirit, with God's help. Now, today, I want to just prepare your heart because at the end of this message, we're going to have a special time of prayer. I know God has been uh, working in our hearts. I've been hearing so many good stories of of life-changing conversations that are happening in, in life groups and so many just wonderful things that have been happening in this series. And we want to just take a moment to to pray for you. That's why we did the offering up front. We're going to create some space at the end of this service. So I just want you to prepare your heart. I want the faith level of expectation to, to get up in this place today for God to touch you because we're thankful for counselors. We're thankful for medicine, but we believe nobody can touch you like Jesus can touch you. Come on. We believe Jesus heals. Jesus sets people free. He restores mental and emotional health. And so we're going to take a moment to pray over you today. Our prayer team is going to be here in person. They're vaccinated. They'll share their antibodies with you as they pray with you. So just begin to prepare your heart as we as we have a time of prayer at the end of the service today. But today, I want to focus on winning the war in your mind. I want to talk to you about your thought life today. I want to talk to you about your, your thinking today. Do you ever feel like there's a war going on in your mind, like you're fighting for control of your thoughts? Like for some of you, if we could enter into your mind, it's a war zone in there. There's all kinds of thoughts flying all over the place. We might get caught in the crossfire if we could go into your mind. For many of us, there's a battle, right? We're battling with so many thoughts racing through our minds, so many negative thoughts at times, so many fearful thoughts. For many of us, our thought life is contributing to our lack of of mental and emotional health. How many of you know if you can get control of your mind, you can get control of your life? Let me say that to you again. With God's help, if you can get control of your your mind, you can get control of, of your life. Now, back in week one, we talked about Uh, One of the the causes that contributes to us getting into what we would call the cave of depression, it's what psychologists call ruminating. Everybody say ruminating. How many of you remember this? We talked about this if you were with us in week one. Ruminating is where you take your distress uh, and, and you think about it and you process it over and over again. You replay that situation. You replay the circumstances. You pr- replay what happened to you or what someone said to you over and over again. And it doesn't get any better. It only gets worse. Anybody recognize this? In fact, we said this in week one. Uh, a, a cow is actually a ruminating animal. Did you know that? A cow is an animal that chews the cud. Now, I didn't grow up on a farm, but I've read about this. A cow has multiple stomachs. This is kind of gross, but this is what a cow does. A cow takes a mouthful of grass, chews on it, swallows it, digests it, then brings it back up and repeats the process all over again. How many of you know every time it comes up, it doesn't get any better? And neither do your thoughts. But this is what happens when, when we ruminate. And this is, this is so often what happens. We, we get into a stressful situation. We're in a stressful relationship. Uh, we're, we're going through a stressful time financially. Uh, something happens to us at work or somebody says something to us that hurts our feelings. And, and we keep replaying it in our minds. We replay the the scenario in our minds. Sometimes we go back and think about, I wish I would have said this, or I wish I could have done that. Next time when I'm in that situation, I'm going to do this. And we replay it over and over again in in our minds. And we're so focused on what happened, we're so focused on the circumstances that we're not focused on the solution. 
and it doesn't get any better. It's, it's a negative, negative pattern of thinking that actually contributes to a lack of, of mental health. It puts us in distress. Sometimes subconsciously, we're just looping over and over again without even realizing it. You know, this happened to me a few years ago. I got stuck in a really bad spot with ruminating. I was an associate pastor at a church in upstate New York. I was going through a difficult time. I was stressed out. And I kept going out with all of my friends and talking to them about what was happening with me. And a lot of times, that's one of the best things you can do. Get somebody who cares about you and share what's going on in your life. The problem is, for me, things weren't getting any better. And here's the reason why. I was so fixated on the circumstances. I was so fixated on what I was feeling. I was so fixated on what I was going through that I wasn't working on the solutions and it wasn't getting any better. Every time I met with my friends, I only felt worse because I was just looping it over and over again, and I was, I was ruminating. Now, throughout this series, we've been looking at the life of the prophet Elijah. Elijah was a great man of God. He's one of the greatest prophets in all of the Bible. He was a miracle worker. He was somebody who knew the power of God, who spoke on behalf of God, but he was also someone who struggled with depression. By the way, aren't you thankful that God doesn't use perfect people? Anybody, can I get an amen in here? Aren't you thankful that God uses people like you and me who don't have it all together? God can still use you. Elijah did not have it all together, and yet God was able to work through your life. So if you're feeling like a little bit less than perfect in your mental and emotional health, I got good news for you. God can still work through you and in you, just like he did in Elijah's life. But let me remind you, we've been looking at this story for, the, for most of this series Back in 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah receives a death threat from a very wicked queen named Jezebel. Some of you might know that name from scripture. And he runs away into the wilderness and he ends up in a cave and he gets isolated in his own thoughts. How many of you know that can be a dangerous place to be? Isolated all by yourself, processing by yourself, lost in your thoughts. That's what happened to Elijah. Let's look at this again, 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 9 through 10. It says, there he went, Elijah went into a cave, and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Elijah starts replaying the events of his life. He starts replaying the circumstances. In fact, it's interesting, a few verses later, the Lord comes to him again, trying to clarify, trying to get Elijah to realize what's going on. Why are you here, Elijah? And he repeats the same thing all over again like a broken record. What was Elijah doing? Do you recognize it? He was ruminating. He was ruminating, right? And the more he replayed his thoughts, the worse it got. It didn't get any better. In fact, he was exaggerating the situation. I'm the only one left. No, he wasn't. There were still a few thousand who were faithful to God. But the more he replayed his circumstances, the more he replayed his fears, the more he replayed all those negative feelings, the worse it got and the more he sank into depression. Is this familiar to anybody in this place today? Because we often do the same thing. Hey, let me give you three consequences of rumination, three really quick consequences of rumination. Number one, rumination allows our fears to define our lives. That's what happens when we get stuck in these looping patterns of negative thinking. It allows your fears to define your life. This is what happened to Elijah. Elijah accepted his feelings as facts. He felt like a failure, right? Here I am in the wilderness all by myself. Israel's falling apart. Nobody's faithful. Like his feelings told him he was a failure, and he began to believe that he was a failure. Let me just say this to you today, church. What you feel is real, but it's not necessarily true. Come on, you need to know that. What you feel is real, and I don't want to discount anybody's feelings. Our feelings are important. 
important. You should pull on the string of your feelings and find out what's on the other end of them. It's important to be in touch with your feelings, but what you feel isn't always true. Remember what Pastor Brad said last week, that feelings are not facts. Feelings are not facts. In fact, feelings will sometimes lie to you. That's what was happening to me when I told you about that season of my life where I was going through so much stress and going over it over and over again with my friends. I felt like I was going to die. How many of you know I wasn't going to die even though I felt like it? I needed somebody to tell me that. My feelings were not facts. And so what happens is when we get stuck in these patterns of unhealthy patterns of, of ruminating, it allows our fears to define our lives. Here's the second consequence. Rumination makes us harder on ourselves than we should be. It'll make you harder on yourself than you should be. You know what will happen is sometimes we assume responsibility for things that God never intended for us to bear. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some things that you have to take responsibility for, and there's healing that comes, but there are some things that you were not meant to take responsibility for. They were not yours to bear. Well, if I had been there, my loved one wouldn't have passed away. No, 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 no. They were terminally ill. They were sick. You prayed for them. You did everything you could. That is not your burden to bear. Come on, parents, we say things like, if I had been a better parent. No, 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 no. Sometimes your kids have to make some mistakes on their own. They have to learn from their mistakes. Come on, everybody. Like, you did the best you could. You taught them the truth. Sometimes you got to let them grow up, and their decision is theirs to own. you got to let go of that. That's not your burden to bear. If I had only worked harder. No, no, no. You did everything you could. There are some things that are beyond our control. There are some circumstances out of our hands. Once again, there are some things that we have to take responsibility for, but sometimes when we get in this pattern of negative thinking and being overwhelmed with these emotions, we end up carrying a burden that we weren't meant to carry. In fact, this is what happened to Elijah. He ruminated himself into self-blame. You can ruminate so much into self-blame that you self-blame yourself into depression. Elijah took on the weight of a whole nation. He said, the Israelites have rejected your covenant. They're all unfaithful. How many of you know that that Elijah was not responsible for everybody in the nation of Israel? (laughs) Like all those people had a free will. That was not a weight that he was meant to carry. So this is what can happen to us when we get in this negative pattern of thinking. Number three, rumination causes us to exaggerate the negative. Come on, anybody resonate with this one? Like what we imagine happening is often far worse than how things actually turn out. Anybody else with me? Anybody else do this or am I the only one? Sometimes we get fearful about things. By the way, did you know fear is just using your imagination in a negative way? Fear is just negative imagination. You imagine the situation turning out worse than it actually is. You ever have a situation where you're fearful about something, fearful about something financial, fearful about a situation at work, fearful about something in a relationship, and then how it turns out was way less worse than your fears? You know what we do, right? We start filling in the blanks with our fears, don't we? This happens to us. Let me give you some, some examples. Uh, you go to your doctor for your annual checkup, you know, your annual physical, and the doctor does routine blood work on you. A couple of de- days later, the nurse calls you and says, hey, the, the, the doctor needs to set up a phone appointment with you to go over your blood work. You get off the phone and you think, oh my gosh, I wonder why the doctor wants to talk to me. I wonder if they found something in my blood work. I wonder if something's bad. I wonder if I'm sick. I wonder if I have cancer. Oh my God, I'm going to die. And then you get on the phone with your doctor. It's like, oh, your blood work looks great. You got to watch your cholesterol just a little bit. Overall, you look great. And what you feared was way worse than what actually turned out to be true. Come on, anybody with me? We fill in the blanks with our fear. Any of you have a loved one who's really bad at answering the phone? You know, like late at night, some of you married people, some of you have a significant other. You're calling them, texting, and they don't get back to you. You start worrying about them, anybody? Amy does this to me all the time. She's terrible. She doesn't answer her phone. She does this to me all the time. Oh, yeah, this is okay. I have permission to tell this story. So, you know, I'll... 
I'll call Amy. She'll be out late at night to, you know, running some errands or late at night with worship practice or something. And I'm texting her. I call her a couple times. She doesn't answer. And I start to worry a little bit. Man, it's really getting really late at night. Like, what is Amy doing out so late? I hope she's okay. I hope she didn't get in a car accident or something. I hope she's not laying on the side of the road bleeding to death. Oh, my gosh. I'm all alone with these three kids. I can barely survive Taco Tuesday. How am I going to cook for these kids every night? I'm going to have to go on eHarmony.com and create a dating profile because, Lord, have mercy. He knows I can't make it by myself. Listen, Amy and I have already talked about this. She said, if something ever happens to you, I'm going to live with my mother. I've had enough. One marriage was enough. I said, honey, if something ever happens to you, I'm getting remarried because I'm helpless. I need a woman to take care of me. She knows. <laughs> She's raising three boys and me. And then she calls me back. I'm sorry, my phone was on vibrate. Vibrate! Vibrate! You're killing me. But this is what we do, right? Like our fears are much worse than the actual situation. We fill in the blanks with our fears. This is what happens when we ruminate. We often make it, we exaggerate the negative. We make it worse than it actually, actually is. So what do we do when we recognize that we're stuck in this pattern of rumination? Well, the first thing is to recognize that you're stuck in the pattern of rumination. I love how the Lord comes to Elijah, like, Elijah, what are you doing here? Elijah, what are you doing here? Like, snap out of it. You got to recognize it. But what do we do once we... Once we recognize it, well, let me give you this thought. We can either chew or we can choose. Let me say that to you again. We can either chew or we can choose. What does that mean? Well, you can either chew your thoughts like that cow ruminating. You can either chew on your thoughts, keep playing them over and over again in your mind, keep looping them over and over again in your mind, or, you can, or we can choose our thoughts with God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit. Here's the big idea today. To win the war in your mind, don't chew your thoughts, choose your thoughts. Don't chew your thoughts, choose your thoughts. Thoughts. Now listen, I'm not saying that you can control every thought that pops into your mind. I, I don't know that that's humanly possible. I can't control every thought that pops into my mind. You'd be surprised what pops in my mind when I'm up here preaching sometimes. And I'm like, nope, can't say that. Might lose your job. <laughs> you can't control everything, every thought that pops in, in, in your mind. But you can choose what you do with those thoughts. I really believe that. With God's help, with the help of the Holy Spirit, you can choose what you do with those thoughts, and you can cultivate a healthier environment for your, for your thought life to become healthier. I believe that you can't control every thought that pops into your mind. You can't control all of the circumstances, but you can choose what you do with those thoughts, and you can begin to cultivate a healthier environment, a healthier atmosphere in your thought life so that your thinking becomes healthier. And what do you think is going to happen to your emotional and mental state of being if your thought life becomes healthier? It's going to get better. It's going to get more whole. It's going to be healthier. It's going to reflect the mind of God. And so that's what we want, isn't it? That's what we want. So here, let me give you three ways to win the war in your mind. I want to invite you to take some notes today. You can open up the Redemption app, and there's a spot where you can take notes every week. Three ways to win the war in your mind, because sometimes it's a battlefield in there. Sometimes there's a war going on. There's some thoughts flying around, and we want, with God's help, we want to win the war in our mind. Number one, create conditions that invite the peace of God. Come on, put that in your notes today. Create conditions that invite the peace of God. Look at what the Apostle Paul wrote to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He said, finally, brothers, and I would include all my sisters today, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, and the God of peace will be with you. Come on, how many of you want to experience the peace of God in your life? Anybody with me? 
How many of you want to have more of the presence of the God of peace in your life? Like, my hand's up. I want to live more with the peace of God in my life. I want to live with a greater sense that no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I'm going through, no matter what kind of day I'm having, what season of life I am, there's a greater sense that the God of peace, the author of peace, is present in my life. Well, if you, if you want that, Paul tells us that, that we can experience the peace of God if we create the right conditions. Come on, how many of you know that, that we can't always change the circumstances, but we can create the right conditions? Let me say that to you again. Uh, uh, you cannot always control the circumstances of your life, but you can begin to cultivate and create the right conditions. You might say, well, what are those conditions? Well, Paul gives them to us. Let's look at them again. Okay, this is a really good spiritual checklist here of, of what our thinking should be like. Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if it's excellent or, or praiseworthy, think on such things. This is what your thinking should look like. These are the kind of things you should be filling your, your mind with. These are the kind of things you should be meditating on. Come on, let me just help you. Before you try to get rid of the negative thoughts, why don't you start by just filling your mind with the good thoughts? Why don't you play a little offense before you play defense? Start filling your mind with, with the, the right things. We can create the, the conditions that invite the presence of God. And one of the th- ways that we do that is to fill our minds with the things of God. We can invite the presence of God by filling our minds with the things of God. Come on, let me give you this example. Some people create the conditions that make you want to be around them. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? The kind of friends you want to spend time with. Some people create the conditions that you want to be around them. You want to hang out with them. You meet them and you want to be friends with them. Why? Because they're encouraging. They're uplifting, right? They're compassionate. They're good listeners. Come on, how many of you love a good listener? They're good listeners. They're humble. They're fun. They create the conditions that make you want to be around them. But how many of you know there are some people who are the opposite? They do not create the conditions that make you want to be around them. (laughs) They are quite the opposite. They're negative. They're self-absorbed. It's like when you're talking, they're not even hearing you. They're critical. They complain about everything. They got what we call negative vibes. Anybody know somebody with negative vibes? Don't elbow the person next to you. That's not nice. And they don't create the conditions that make you want to hang out with them. They don't create the conditions that when you're thinking about who do I want to hang out this weekend, they're not at the top of your list. They might be at the bottom of your list. If nobody else is available and I don't want to be myself by myself, I might text that person. <laughs> Here's the idea, church. Maybe you're not experiencing the peace of God in your mind because you haven't created the conditions that would invite his presence in the first place. You can create the conditions that would invite the presence of God in your life. And so you're missing out on his peace because you haven't filled your mind with positive things. You haven't filled your mind with the things of God that would attract his presence in the first place. And so what do we do? This is why we pray. This is why we worship. This is why we practice gratitude, because as I said before, we can't control the circumstances. Sometimes you can't control what side of the bed you woke up on. You just wake up some days and you just feel cranky. Come on, somebody. You just wake up some days and you got negative. This happens to me. I have days where I'm just naturally feel like complaining. I naturally feel critical. And what do I have to do? I got to put some worship music on. I got to get into God's word. I got to begin to pray. I got to begin to practice gratitude because it shifts my thinking. It shifts my heart. 
It shifts the environment of my mind. It creates the conditions. It brings the things of God into my life that attract God's presence so that God begins to hear my worship and my praise and my prayers. And he's like, I can be down with that. I can hang out with Jeremy today because he's creating the conditions that invite my presence into his life. Come on. Come on, church. You can do this. You can shift your thinking. You can shift the environment of your heart and your mind by cultivating and creating the conditions that invite the God of peace, and you end up with the peace of God in your life. Number two, the second thing is you can renew your mind regularly. We're talking about how do we win the war in our minds because so much of our, so much of our problems stem from our thought life, so much of our emotional and mental unhealth. Sometimes it's patterns of thinking that we haven't even recognized. Number two, you need to renew your mind regularly. Paul says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the, read this out loud with me, renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. You want to know God's will? You got to renew, renew your mind. You want to win the war in your thinking process? You got to renew your mind. We have to continually renew our minds. It's just like a car engine. You got to renew it. You got to take it in for a tune-up every now and then. You got to get an oil change every now and then, or you will wear it out. It won't stay new. Come on, you, God wants to give you, you have a new nature in Christ Jesus. You know the scripture says that you have the mind of Christ? You actually have the mind of Christ. But how many of you know that we still live in an earthly, sinful, fleshly body? That we still live in this side of heaven, right? In human, human, we're human beings. And every now and then we're going we're gonna to drift back toward our, our old self. And we got to know that, that we got to continually renew our minds. Come on, you got, you got thoughts that pop in your mind that are not of God. As godly as you are, they're not of God. Some of you, you got things, you, you, sometimes you, you think thoughts like you want to slap somebody. You didn't do it, but you thought it in your mind. Some of you, you wouldn't curse somebody out, but in your mind, you're a curse word artist. It's amazing what goes on in there. Some of you, you're sanctified, you're holy people, but you still have lustful thoughts. You love Jesus, you're just nasty sometimes. It happens to all of us. Come on, we're keeping it 100 today. We're being real in church today. I know y'all are more sanctified than me. There's a battle in your mind. We've got to renew our minds. Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world. Jesus said, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. How many of you know that there's a pattern to this world? How many of you know there's a pattern to the way our world thinks? Anybody notice this? Like it's on replay all around us all the time. What is our world obsessed with? What, what is it that dominates people's thinking? Status, money, materialism, possessions, physical appearance, sex, getting even, asserting my rights, making myself the center of the universe. That is the pattern of this world. That is the thinking that's around us every day. And by the way, that type of thinking is what actually leads to us being dissatisfied, unhappy, and depressed. And here's the interesting thing. Secular research is proving all of this. Isn't it amazing when secular research catches up to what the people of God have known for thousands of years? The ancient wisdom of scripture that's been underneath your nose all this time in the Bible, secular research is showing and proving that, that when we get locked into caring and thinking about those things only, the pattern of this world, it doesn't lead to emotional and mental health, but quite the opposite. So what do we do? What do we do? How do you renew your mind on a regular basis? Well, a couple thoughts. Stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job to give you a tune-up, to help you renew your mind, a mental tune-up. He'll speak to you. He'll, he'll set off some alarm bells. He'll poke you and prod you every now and then. It might be a message like today's message. It might be a scripture that you read that just speaks to your heart. It might be a good godly friend who speaks a, a, a word of wisdom in, into your life. He'll speak to you. Stay sensitive 
Stay sensitive to his voice. Let me just tell you this. Be careful with who and what you allow to influence your thinking and your values. Let me say that again because somebody came to church to write that down alone. Be careful with who and what you allow to influence your thinking and your values. Paul did not say be conformed to Netflix. Paul did not say be conformed to your unsaved friends' values and their materialism and their priorities. We got to be careful, church. I'm not about to tell you, you know, what shows you can and can't watch. We're not an old school church like that. I'm just saying, be careful what you fill your mind with. Be careful with what you're putting into in your mind, the environment that you're creating in your mind. Be careful with who you allow to influence your heart. It can be one conversation where you allow that person, their priorities, to infect you, to get on the inside of you, and they're not the priorities of God. Be careful with who you allow to, to influence your thinking and your values. Don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, this broken world, but be renewed by the, by the tra- be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You got it, man, we're living in a, are you kidding me? We're living in a world where our thought life is being assaulted every day. You think you're going to come to church one day a week, some of y'all once a month, holla, some of y'all once a month, and, and you're being bombarded by the world seven days a week? And your mind is going to survive? Okay, I got land in China I want to sell you. <laughs> Man, you better, you better re-up for the battle. You better be ready because this is an everyday thing. Renew your mind. Here's the third thing, winning the war in your mind. Number three, demolish strongholds with the truth. Demolish strongholds with the truth. What does that mean? Let me show you a powerful scripture. It comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 5. The apostle Paul writes this. For though we live in the world... We do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. This is strongholds of thought. Verse 5, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We demolish strongholds with the truth. I, I love these verses. Paul uses like military analogy here, mi- military metaphors here. The Greek word translated strongholds here in this verse, in verse 4, literally come means a, a castle or a fortress. Paul is talking about like taking a castle or a fortress. And what is this? He's talking about strongholds of deception. It's deception that gets rooted in, in your mind and it becomes a stronghold in your thinking. You don't even recognize that it's there, but it's influencing your, your thinking and it can actually take your mind captive. One lie, one bit of deception that sneaks past your defenses and it creates a stronghold in your mind and your thinking and it holds you it holds you captive. You know, for many of us, our mental and emotional issues stem from lies that we've accepted as truth. Mental strongholds that come in the forms of lies that we've accepted as truth. It's the negative words that were spoken over you when you were a kid. You're stupid. You're fat. You'll never amount to anything. And those words still, still haunt you. It's, it's the lies you tell yourself. I'm not worthy to be loved. I'm a failure. I'll, I'll never measure up. You know, it's been said that the worst lies we believe are the lies we tell ourselves. It's the, it's the mistakes of the past or the brokenness that you come from that, that tries to define you, that you've allowed to define you. It's the lies of the enemy whose job it is to accuse you. And let me just tell you, when we believe a lie, we can actually become captive to it. We're literally prisoners to that lie. We don't even recognize it, but it's a lie that lives in your mind, and it becomes a mental stronghold, and you're captive to it. It's affecting the way you live. It's affecting the way you see the world. It's affecting the way you relate to people. In fact, I said this a few weeks ago, but a lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. Come on, a lie believed as truth 
will affect your life as if it were true. You swallow a lie, it'll manifest itself in your life. And some of us are carrying around lies that we don't even know are there, like a, a mental stronghold in our life. Jesus said that Satan is actually the father of lies. Like his strategy is always deception. The enemy wants to plant little seeds of lies into your life. He wants to fly under the radar and plant little seeds and little lies in, in your mind that manifest into, into strongholds. So what do we do? We demolish strongholds by replacing lies with the truth of God's word. That's what we do. We demolish strongholds by replacing lies with the truth of God's word. And so, you know, let me give you an example. Like maybe you sin and we all sin. We all mess up. Maybe, maybe you sin and what happens is the voice of the enemy wants to condemn you. How many of you know when you hear the voice of condemnation, that is not the voice of the Holy Spirit? The voice of the Holy Spirit may sound like conviction, but not condemnation. And so sometimes we hear this voice like, you're a low-down, dirty sinner. You sinned again. You messed up again. You're never going to overcome that thing. You're never going to have a breakthrough there. You're just a sinner. And something has to well up on the inside of you to demolish that stronghold, that lie, and replace it with the truth. I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I belong to him. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus because, because he who the Son sets free is free indeed. The law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. You demolish that stronghold with the truth of God's word. Sometimes it's your past that wants to accuse you. Come on, how many of you know your past is a way of hanging around and coming back and trying to define you, right? You, you messed up that marriage. You messed up that relationship. You messed up that opportunity. You messed up that job. You're always going to be a fill in the blank. You got to replace that lie. You got to demolish that stronghold with the truth of God's word. No, no, no. Whoever's in Christ is a new creation. Come on. The old has gone. The new has come. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm not defined by my past. Not defined by my past. Maybe it's fear. It's a stronghold of fear. Come on. We got a thousand things to fear these days, right? I'm afraid of COVID. I'm afraid of financial ruin. I'm afraid of political turmoil in this country. I'm afraid of this. I'm afraid of that. Come on. Remember Psalm 3 last week? You got to begin to say, but you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head. You go before me. You go behind me. You got my back. You said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. Even though I walked in the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. We demolish that stronghold. We replace it with the truth of God's word. Maybe you, you have lies that begin to tell you, you're never going to get ahead. You're never going to make it. You're never going to get that dream job. You're never going to get out of debt. You're never going to have that, that life that God promised. No, 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 no. I'm going to demolish that stronghold. I know the plans that you have for me, declared the Lord. Plans to prosper me and not to harm me. God, you're for me, not against me. You begin to demolish that stronghold with the word of God in your life. We demolish strongholds, and Paul says we take captive every thought. And here's what I love about this, because I think Paul keeps it so real. Because as I said before, you really can't control every thought that pops into your head, can you? I know I can't. You can't control every thought that pops into your, into your mind. But with God's help, you can take captive every thought. You can take captive every thought. And so here's what it looks like. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an example. I know y'all are more spiritual than me. But every, time, every now and then I meet somebody, and I'm tempted to judge somebody by their appearance. I know, I'm more shallow than you. You're more sanctified than me. Every now and then I meet somebody, I can judge somebody by the way they look or the way they come across or the way they present their self. Thoughts pop in my head that are negative. I can have a lustful thought. I know, I know, you're, you're, you're closer to Jesus than I am. But I'm a human being. I'm still on this side of heaven. I'm gonna get where you are one day. And, and here's what I have to do. I have to say, I have to wrestle that thought down and say, no, 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 God, that person is made in your image. That person, you love that person. You gave your son to die for that person. Can I tell you, I, I, I replay that in my mind so many times. God, that person's made in your image. I can't look at that person that way. 
I can't judge that person that way. They're made in your image. You love, you love that person. You know, I can have a negative interaction with somebody every now and then. Um, how many of you know we all have blind spots? Anybody know that we all have blind spots? Turn to your neighbor and say, you got blind spots. Help them out. You got blind spots. How many of you have ever noticed, how many have ever noticed that other people's weaknesses are so glaringly obvious? Like you, your, your weaknesses, it's hard for you to see them, but everybody else's are glaringly obvious. Come on, married people. Can I get an amen, somebody? Your spouse's weaknesses just jump off the page. They're, they're always in your face, right? Let's have a little deliverance today. Some of y'all about to feel the Holy Ghost. Everybody else's weaknesses, they, we, all have blind, we all have blind spots. Like every now and then I have a negative interaction with somebody. And do you know I can be tempted to judge that person on that one negative interaction? I can be tempted to just mind that one negative. It's amazing what we do to people. We can have a hundred good interactions with somebody. One negative interaction, and all of a sudden we want to put them in a negative category. Now, you don't want somebody to do that to you, but we do that to people, don't we? And you know, I read a scripture one time that said, in humility, esteem others as better than yourself. Wow. Do you know how many times I have to say that scripture back to myself? Now, Lord, you told me in humility, esteem others as better than me. What if I really believe that about that person? And I have to say, no, no, I choose to believe the best about that person. I want you to know that. I do this with you. Because <laughs> I see your blind spots sometimes. And you see mine. Lord, I choose to believe the best about that person. God, I'm not going to remember the one time that I saw that person's weakness, that one negative interaction. God, I choose to believe that they're, that they're better than that. In humility, I want to esteem them as better than myself. Let me tell you one thought that comes to me quite often. It always convicts me. I've literally, I can't tell you how many times the Lord drops this thought in my head. How would you feel if you had my heart toward that person? If you had the Father's heart toward that person, how would you feel about them? Can I tell you that that helps me take my captives, that helped me take my thought captive? This is what we got to do, church. Come on, you can't handle what pops into your mind. It's amazing what pops into your mind. You can leave church today. It's amazing what'll pop in your mind before you even get to your car today. Come on, somebody. You can't handle what pops into, you can't always uh, make it, you know, you can't control what pops into your mind, but you can, with the help of the Holy Spirit, wrestle that thought down and take captive and apply the word of God to that thought. And that's what we have to do. And as you begin to do that, you're going to get a breakthrough in your thinking. You're going to begin to cultivate a healthier condition, a healthier environment in your mind. It'll make a difference in the way you live your life. It'll make a difference in your emotions, in your thoughts. And so today, I believe that God wants to do a healing work in your mind today. I believe God wants to set you free today. We're going to put the message into practice. What we're going to do in just a moment is we're going to stand. We're going to have an extended time of worship. We're going to take at least 10 minutes. And we're just going to have some worship today. And we're going to get into the presence of God. We're going to do what we talked about before, right? We're going to get into the presence of God. And we're going to invite the peace of God into our lives. And I don't know what you're dealing with today. We're all in a different place in our, in our lives right now. We're all carrying different things, different burdens. Maybe this message completely resonates with you. Maybe it doesn't. But today, we're going to get into God's presence. And I want to invite you to come up in just a moment. So prayer team, I want you to come up. You can go ahead and make your way up here. Come on up here, prayer team. And I'm going to invite everybody to stand with me. I'm going to pray over you in just a minute. I want everybody to stand with me. Prayer team, you can just come stand right across the front here. They're all masked up, and uh, they're happy to pray with you today. And if you need prayer, I want to invite you to come up to receive prayer in just a moment. I'm going to pray over everybody. Don't be shy. We had altars that were packed full of people last service. We prayed over people 
It was wonderful. We're going to believe for God to touch your life. We're going to believe for breakthrough in your life today. We're going to believe for healing in your life today. We're going to believe for freedom in your life today. And so in just a moment, I want to invite you forward. And maybe there's nothing pressing on your heart today that you feel like coming up. I want to invite you to make your, your own space an altar today, right there in your own seats. You can just worship with us. Just invite the presence of God into your life. I'm just telling you, something happens when we get in God's presence. Something happens when we invite God's presence into our lives. He is the God of peace. If you get the God of peace in your life, you'll get the peace of God in your life. And so we're going to do that today. Come on, would you begin to pray with me? Let's begin to build an atmosphere of expectation. Let's begin to build an atmosphere of faith. God, we believe in you today. God, we trust in your word today. God, we thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that you're for us today. God, we thank you that you are a God who heals. We thank you that you're a God who sets free. God, we thank you that you see us today, that you love us, you see our need today. And we choose to believe today, God, that when we invite your presence into our lives, you can bring healing to us today. And so we open our hearts to that today. God, we invite you to renew our minds. Lord, today we want to fill our minds with the things of God, whatever is noble and pure and right and good. And we let go of the negative today. We let go today. We open our hearts to receive your promises, to receive your goodness, to receive your healing touch and your freedom. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thanks for tuning into our podcast. If you'd like to connect with us or learn more about our church, please visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org. We hope you can listen or join us next week.